Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Bernard Beitman, MD, a psychiatrist, and I love studying the mind and the brain and how they connect with each other. And we're going to have the opportunity to do that more than I usually do, because we're having a neuroscientist talk with us today. Uh, if you want to order my new book, uh, it's the links are for those of you on YouTube are below. It's called Meaningful Coincidences, How Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. And it just so happens by some quirk of fate, <laughs> shall we call it a coincidence? Well, it is, but we know how it happens, so it's not really. But our guest today, book came out the same day mine came out on, from the same publishing company. And we also have the same publicist. So, so it's like, this is the first time we've met, but we kind of know each other from those ways. Well, for today, I'm going to propose the existence of our mental atmosphere, which I've written about in the book, uh, the psychosphere. The psychosphere surrounds us like our air atmosphere uh, in which all beings are immersed Within the flux of the psychosphere, varieties of energy and information move the way gases, clouds, winds, water vapors, particles, and electromagnetic radiation move in our air atmosphere. The energy information of the psychosphere includes the full spectrum of human ideas and feelings and behaviors. Just as our living bodies breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, each human mind interchanges ideas and feelings and behavior patterns with the psychosphere by expressing them and drawing them in. I suggest that the psychosphere is our most accessible realm of to higher consciousness. Now, is that true or not? We're going to be able to maybe talk about that a little bit today, how that might be. Our guest today is Mona Sabani, PhD. She's a cognitive neuroscientist, author, and entrepreneur. A former research scientist at the University of Southern California, she holds a doctorate in neuroscience from the University of Southern California, completed a postdoctoral fellowship at Vanderbilt, with a MacArthur Foundation Law and Neuroscience Project. She is now in her entrepreneurial role, co-founder and head of Research at Pala, a platform that delivers trusted wisdom. Trusted wisdom, oh boy, you got to look, look at that word, trusted wisdom. How do you know about trusted wisdom? What do you look surprised for? Can't, can't hear me? Can't talk. Sorry, I lost you for a second. My uh, headphones switched. Oh, okay, that. that's we what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens. Trusted wisdom in short, engaging, and re relatable videos and using scientifically proven methods that accelerate personal and professional growth. Now, it's nice to use science practically and that's what she's talking about doing and that's what i like to do as a, as a therapist she's the author of proof of spiritual phenomena a neuroscientist discovery of the ineffable mysteries of the universe ineffable is a funny word because uh it means you can't say it but here she's saying it so <laughs> it it's like that fun of the playing with words and they they have their opposite meanings everything contains its opposite that's not true but a lot of things do so she's going to make the ineffable a little bit more effable i guess a little bit more understanding in, in which she details her transformation from a die a die hard 
a diehard materialist. Boy, did she die hard as a materialist. And you can see it from the book. I mean, I mean, you don't get too many books that start off saying, I didn't want to write this one. You don't have, you don't get that. Is it what? And so my reaction is so don't so don't do it. But she had to. She had to write this book and became an open-minded spiritual seeker in the brave new world of psychedelic science. Oh, the brave new world. Where have I heard that before? The brave new world of psychedelic science. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence, Mona Savani. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. This uh, the the reluctant scientist. Uh, I'm going to ask you a coincidence story, but I, I think it's really good for our audience to know to know how much you didn't want to write this book, and the reason you didn't write it. I'm going to say, but I want to hear what you're going to say is so. And like so many people, you did not want to change your view of reality yeah. i want it yes. to stay this way <laughs> yes and what oh, the two of exactly. us are doing among an army of people is saying people like the old mona need to go to the new mona yeah yeah let it go <laughs> calm down <laughs> sorry think of it now <laughs> let it go calm down <laughs> It was painful. Uh, it was painful. It was so hard. It was hard. Yeah. Some, it was really difficult. I mean, it's, um, you don't realize how it's, it's just interesting. You don't realize how much your beliefs are part of your like, you know, body and your being and your ego and all of those things. You don't realize how much they how like it, it kind of is incorporated in everything that you think about or the way you behave and you don't really realize that until you start to change them and um and in myself I felt the resistance right like and I was trying to be a scientist and follow you know evidence or like read or stay open-minded but that's when I started feeling like and I noticed it in my body like physically um tense you know I would get tensed up I would get emotionally riled up um my stomach would clench and I would get like angry um it took me a really long time to notice this by the way <laughs> but um as I was trying to open my mind read spiritual texts and um you know other kinds of texts I wouldn't normally read I just started noticing that I started noticing um my reactions to it and all of the emotions that would come up and then at some point um I just started, you know, kind of stepping back and being like, what, what is this? What is going on here? <laughs> Why am I reacting so strongly? And the interesting thing. Acting so strongly to what? To the idea that I could change my beliefs and not be a, I don't know, a, you know, condescending, arrogant um, scientist anymore <laughs> that I, you know, believed could scoff at things that I thought were nonsense, like um, intuitives or psychics or anything paranormal, really. Um, and I realized over time that I enjoyed that superiority, <laughs> like uh, for whatever reason. So, yeah, I that, started... yeah, you had to give up an identity as an yeah. as an arrogant. Psychotic, arrogant neuroscientist who knew what was right. So this was, was right. who, this was a major shift in how you had to think about yourself. Yes. To go from neuroscientists in the lab, everything's controlled. We know what we're doing here. We come up with results that got to be right. To what? And yeah, that's where I think part of the anxiety and emotions were coming up because I, for a while I didn't know I was like where I think I was looking for a class of people to fit into I was like if I'm not in this group then what what group am I in and um didn't really find that for uh, initially initially you know when I was 
I was like, well, I'm not a new ager. I mean, you know, I was like, I'm not going to walk around now. I, now I, I don't think like this anymore, but this is how I used to think. Oh, like, well, I'm not, you know, there's no way that I'm going to be one of those people. And who, um, what are one of, what are those people who, who are those people that you didn't want to become? Yeah. Um, people who believed or on faith or, you know, had trust in things that we couldn't see and measure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have that because, you know, my entire work and identity and everything was tied up on that. It's like, and I just thought, no, you can't, you can't be that. And, to, you know, as I say in the book, to be fair, our society is so, is moving towards that direction of very like evidence-based science back data-driven um, that language is all around us. And it takes, you know, almost like bravery to be like, well, I know there's no concrete evidence but I believe <laughs> like it's kind of a difficult thing I mean not for me anymore now but at the time it was uh it was unthinkable to me to 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 come out and say that or or be like that so you, you just didn't know that there was a lot of other people thinking like that uh, who were reasonably yes intelligent yes. people yes. Able, able to think about an alternative to what you were exactly. talking about. So part of it is that you were cloistered in a kind of nunnery of uh, neuroscience at USC. Right. Yeah. We, and we are, we're like, we're stuck in our groups and um, yeah, later I, I branched out and found there were so many scientists, physicists, neuroscientists, psychiatrists, uh, philosophers, historians, like a lot of people from other fields that were very smart, you know, very, well-trained, serious careers, um, and not that you need that, but that, you know, old me was like, oh, oh okay, like I could um, identify with them in some way. And, and they were thinking about these issues, you know, just very rationally, like open-mindedly. And once I realized, I didn't even, I don't think I came across that until towards the end um, of like when I was writing the book, but once I did, I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, okay. I, oh, there's, there's a group. There's others like me, I think is what, yeah. I'm not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. And your journey for most part in your book, which I hope can be seen by our audience is about her journey. And it was a <clears throat> lonely journey except for one funny little thing right at the beginning that made me wonder. Mona Sabani's mother read coffee grounds to predict the future. And she yeah. was right a lot. So here she had in her family with her mother yeah. doing this coffee ground thing, predicting the future. And Mona's off being neurosciences. I don't know anybody who thinks like this weird stuff. There's nobody, I'm all by myself. There's right. No, except for what about mom? <laughs> yeah. 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 We have this in our family. It's in our culture. Um, What's your culture? I'm Persian. So in our, I think in our culture and many other cultures in that region, I, I, and probably all over the world. Well, we have a tradition of, of divination. You can use different things. I think my mom read tarot at some point too, but um my grandmother used to use this kind of thicker coffee that you leave in the cup and it creates um, shapes and then you have an intuitive reader look at it. So my grandmother used to do that. And then my mom learned from, from her mother and has always been doing this at our family parties in the background, you know? Um, and I never, cause it's, you know, when you grow up with it, you don't really pay attention to it. It was just kind of there. Um, and then when I was, when I started grad school, I started going home on the weekends to visit my parents and she started reading for me. And I at first didn't really, um, you know, I just, it was a bonding thing. Uh, but then I noticed that the things that she would say would come true. And so I started taking notes <laughs> for like for 10 plus years, just jotting everything she said down and kind of, you know, like, does it come true? Does it not? What are the, you know, I got curious, like, what are the factors that influence whether she's right or wrong? Um, but it was very casual and not like something I did very seriously but I noticed she was more right than she was wrong so I couldn't explain it with science I mean we had no framework to explain that kind of thing with traditional science so I just 
lived in cognitive dissonance, just whatever. Just and like you, that. I like that. You lived in cognitive dissonance because that's what you had. Yeah. There is what, what, there's an old saying that what you're looking for is right there at home. And, uh, and it was right there at home the whole time because you've yeah. come back to the whole Persian tradition of, mm -hmm. of being able to predict the future and wonder about how that happens and how time works and how can you do that with coffee grounds and patterns and yeah. and throw cards which i'm interested in it was right there but you had to go all the way around to see that uh, your culture and particularly your mother was representing something that was really very important to you and it's important for other people to know that is that that sometimes you can travel around the world looking for something and that something is right under the doorstep of your house and yeah. that's what you ha that's what happened with you Absolutely. well i that's it's such it was such an agonizing trip for you mona um agonizing it came through mm. because you so dearly wanted to hold on to i'm a scientist thing uh and one and you wanted to belong too i think mm -hmm. that's an important part of it too is want to be part of something so now you're part of something else. Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, congratulations on being able to make that transition and describe it for the rest of us. And when, when, when people make major transitions uh, in life, um, coincidences are likely to be happening. They, mm. If you pay attention to them, they sometimes help you with, uh, with making the transitions that you're involved with. And that's part of what I'm trying to be able to say. It's, it's become mainstream enough, at least so far, that uh, there was an article in uh, the, the Wall Street Journal um, uh, on October 12th about the power of coincidence. Okay. Uh, and uh, it quoted um, a couple of neuroscientists, uh, neuroscientists from Johns Hopkins, psychedelic guy Yobani, I think is his name. Uh, mm -hmm. If I'm saying it right, begins with a Y. And then, and then uh, a person at Columbia who's interested in spirituality, and they also happened to quote me. Uh, and that was the the basis of that was uh, was explaining how meaningful coincidences are useful to people in the Wall Street Journal. October. I love that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't see this that. This happened yesterday, uh, October uh, October twelfth. This won't be published uh, right away, but October twelfth, twenty twenty two. There was another foray from uh, weirdness into um, mainstream culture. Mm -hmm. So it's part of what's happening, and there's a beautiful story in there. You might be able to see it. Oh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But, I can't wait to look it up. That she she did so it's you're part of a movement and you know that because we have to be doing something different from what you were trained to do and you know yeah. that yeah. so what why don't you tell us i almost like bedtime stories mona would you please tell us a coincidence story yeah i'm going to tell um since we're talking about <clears throat> that time of that transition i'll tell the coincidence, the series of coincidences that um, kind of pushed me in this direction. So I was in a, having an existential crisis or whatnot. I wasn't having a good time in life. I won't tell all the details, but I was in kind of crisis and my friends and I started going to psychics and intuitives for, um, it was because, so my mom had been doing readings. She had predicted um, two big emotional events in my life, like two kind of big things. And I became more curious about these like readings and the nature of the universe. And for the first time ever, I was thinking about fate and destiny and whatnot. And um, didn't really, I didn't try to read or research about it, but it just so happened. One of my friends was like, Oh, she had gone through something similar. So she was like, I know this really good intuitive in LA. She'll turn you away if she can't read your energy. So she's trustworthy. And I've been to her. She's really good. We should go to her. And then there's a few others I know. Um, and then I just got curious, like, um, you know, like, okay, let's, um, I've, I've never been to a psychic. Um, I, I was very skeptical, but because it's different than my mom, right? My mom's not trying to impress me. So, but for a psychic, you know, if you're going, you're paying them 
and there's this, you know, stigma around them as, as being frauds and whatnot. So I was like, all right, well, we'll just see. So we went and my friends kind of made this like a little pseudo like experiment for ourselves. And we would go to the same lady at the same time and then over time and switch readings and see if um, they were, you know, specific to each of us or if they were giving vague things, which is the general conception of them. But we found they were very specific. And then in in that, they they would mention things to me about you know, uh, karma and bad, like, this was a past life thing. This is a karmic event. Um, this person is in your soul group. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know what any of that meant. I was vaguely familiar with karma, uh, just the way it's talked about in popular culture. I didn't know anything about reincarnation, never thought about those things. So I just ignored what they said. And I mean, I wrote it down. We recorded the sessions, but, um, it didn't affect me really. I was like, that's weird. I don't believe in that. Okay, whatever. She believes in that. That's fine. Um, and I wrote it down and then didn't think about it. And then months later, and I wasn't reading anything about spirituality. I wasn't spiritual yet. This was like the the extent of my, was just going to these readings. Um, and then I was listening to, I read Chelsea Handler's book, Life Will Be the Death of Me. And she had this limited series podcast uh, with just a few episodes, mostly about therapy and um, how her therapist, Dan Siegel, had helped her so much and um, the Enneagram and whatever. But then one episode, she had Laurelyn Jackson on, who's a psychic medium. And Chelsea in her book, um, you know, she's always been a skeptic. She calls everything woo-woo. She like hates all that stuff, which is probably why she resonated with me at the time um, on that. And But she had Laurelyn Jackson on her podcast. And then Laurelyn Jackson starts describing this framework of we come to earth to learn lessons and um, their soul groups. And she starts saying all the things that the, the intuitives had said to me. And I just kind of perked up like, oh, I've heard this before. And oh, my goodness, um, let me write this down. Maybe I, now I can go back and look at my notes and see if that makes more sense. So she starts talking about that. And so I'm listening, you know, intently. Then she mentions that she um, had her brain studied. And of course, that got my attention because I'm a neuroscientist. So she's like, she had her brain studied at this, um, the Winbridge Research Center. And she's like, I always want to help science figure out, you know, why I am the way I am. Um, and then her and Chelsea Handler actually tell a coincidence story themselves. So they mention, they're like, everyone should read this book. It's called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. And they didn't say what it was about. But Chelsea tells the story of how she was at dinner with a friend I think in New York and they get in a fight over dinner because the friend is like, you have to read this book. It's so super interesting. And she gets in a fight with the person being like, this is garbage. Like, I don't believe in this. Stop telling me to read it. Um, this is stupid. And then she leaves the dinner, gets on a plane to come to LA and the book, Many Lives and New Masters is in the- um, Many pocket. Lives, Many Lives and Many Masters. I just want to make sure people un yeah. hear that phrase because you're saying it- uh, Oh, that quickly. Yeah, too quick, a little quickly. Many lives and many masters is a is a a seed book in uh, ideas about uh, reincarnation. Yeah, so she gets on the plane, and that book is in the um this the pocket the back whatever the back pocket of the seat in front of her, and right after she left that dinner, getting in a fight with a friend, and so she ends up reading it on the flight home, and then by the time she lands, she's like, everyone has to read this book. So I ordered it and- um, Well, that's, that's uh, to be, uh, to, to talk about coincidences here, she shouldn't do it. It's a bad thing to do. And there it shows up because she's really doesn't think it's a good idea. And, but there it is. So that kind of pre presentation of what you need, uh, it, it, how many people leave books like that right in the, mm -hmm. right there, right in front of her she's got to like pick it up it's a little like uh, it's a little like these stories of, of people a little like people in libraries having books fall on them and right. that that book fell on her by being in the front seat like that right so right. so and that's chelsea handler we're talking about or is that that's who was in the oh that's yes. who found the yes. book yes. and chelsea handler was somebody who'd written a book that you had seen, I think. Yes, that okay. I had read. Yeah. That you had read. Okay, I just yeah. want to be able to like uh, yeah. get, a, get a little clearer. Okay, so Chelsea, the skeptic kind of, kind of like you, sees this book, which she'd heard and didn't want, and then, okay, she reads it, and then she tells, then what happened? Yeah, 
Um, okay, so then I ordered the book, I read it, and then the for people who aren't familiar with it, it's this um, psychiatrist who's really well, you know, Yale, Columbia, um, and then he stumbles across past life regression in his um, in his therapy session with a patient and doesn't know what's going on, but follows the the lead and ends up doing this for his career because he finds it's very healing for the patients. Um, but in the in the story, he and in past starts- life, what are you going to say? What past life regression is? Okay, sure, yes. So it's. Um, so for for this for him, I guess they use hypnotic regression um, sometimes. I don't know how frequently it's used. You would know better um, to get access to memories that might have been suppressed from like early childhood or traumatic or yeah from early childhood that may have been traumatic. So that's what he was doing. That he had been working with this patient for a year and a half, and she had all these anxieties like uh, was afraid of the dark, um, just massive anxiety, couldn't sleep, afraid of drowning, and a year and a half traditional psychotherapy, nothing worked. So he was like last resort. He's like, all right, we'll just try a regret, a normal, you know, hypnotic regression and asked her to go back to the time of her trauma. And then she does recall one from the, you know, when she was two years old and he expected, um, she had some emotional catharsis, expected her to get better, but she came back the next week and still was not better. So he's like, all right, we'll just keep trying this. So he did another regression with her said, go back to the time of your trauma and she spontaneously starts describing like a seemingly past life, you know, like I, um, I think she was a blonde in real life. And she's like, I have black hair. I have sandals on my feet. It's two BC. I'm making up the numbers. I don't remember. Um, and then she describes how she died in a flood in that life. And she like relives the death has a, a catharsis, you know, about the, the whole thing wakes up. And then that fear of drowning is gone. And so he's like, Oh my God, nothing's worked. I'll just continue doing this with her. So session by session, he does regressions and she keeps recalling these past lives like one where she was locked and locked um put uh, isolated in a cave i think because she had a disease or something i may, I may not be remembering all the that's all, that's, but, a, that, that's all right but yeah. you go you go he she go the 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 drowning and the flooding is a good place for us to like uh suggest that there was more for her to do but yeah he stumbled on it with this mm-hmm. woman he was just doing hypno i'm just doing some hypnosis and pop she's talking about somebody else who was also her and right. that's that's the kind of happy accident we call serendipity mm-hmm. and he got the right person to do to, but he got the right person to be able to do that with who was able to be fluid enough under his, the hypnosis mm-hmm. to be able to go back and that that mm-hmm. science proceeds like that with serendipity uh like happy accidents like that one so okay i just wanted to get get everybody to have get who didn't know something about what right. that what that was about so yeah. okay so chelsea reads the book and then goes home and what oh and so i was so i was reading the book so you and, read the book and um and then he so then so he does the regressions with her she she starts one by one resolving these anxieties and phobias and fears and then and then in one of the sessions he describes um, where the atmosphere changes and she starts talking in a different way uh, while she's under regression. And then allegedly these master spirits or something come through her and start giving him information. They try to validate to him that they're real by telling him things about the way that his son and his father died that nobody could have known. Um, and his son had just died. Like it was a, a baby, the newborn baby died just a few weeks before. Um, and so they give him information and then they describe to him the spiritual framework. So then for me, I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy. So it was, for me, it was the third time this idea of earth is a school. You come to learn lessons about charity, love, (laughs) kindness. Um, so he started, he describes that and I'm like, okay, like, what is this spiritual framework that I've never heard of that like keeps, um, you know, popping up and, so then that that was the when I finished reading the book, I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to possibly start reading other things about this, but I wasn't sure. And then here's my my big one. So I wasn't sure. And I was like, maybe, um, you know, I, I, you know, I was hanging on to my identity. I was like, do I want to read more? This book already weirded me out. I was already like, what am I reading? Um, Master Spirits, you know. And I, and I asked, I ha, I've always been a meditator, not always, but for years I've been a meditator. And so in meditation one morning, I was like, you know, I need some, I was 
guidance. And I thought, let me just use, ask the universe for a sign. Um, and I, I had been trying to ask for signs, but I kept forgetting what sign I would choose because I, I kind of wasn't that dedicated. So then I gave up and I was like, I really need a sign to know if I should continue reading, you know, about this spirituality stuff. Like I'm considering going to get more books, you know, by Weiss or whatever, like, should I do it? And I was like, I need a sign so big that I won't miss it because, um, and it has to be obvious and related to all this and whatever. And so I made a very clear request. And then two days later, I was going to dinner with my friends for a friend's birthday and I was driving over in an Uber to Santa Monica and my friends called me and they're like, how far are you from the restaurant? When are you getting here? I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, a few minutes away. I'll be there uh, shortly. Why? And they're like, you're never going to believe who's here. Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler is here. They're like, you have to get here immediately. <laughs> and like I, they hung up and I just, the whole dinner, I was like somewhere else because I just had goosebumps the whole time as I was like, I just can't believe this. Like, I, I just can't believe I asked for a sign and it's Chelsea Handler. It was her podcast and it was the book. And I was like, does this mean I have to start reading about spirituality? And like, I was so, um, I was so, you know, my mind was just elsewhere during the whole dinner because it felt like, you know, it was one of those like goosebumps from head to toe. Like it just felt very like it was for me. And, um, I, I know people say we're in LA, but we don't, you know, we see celebrities here and there, but I've never seen her before, before that night. Still haven't seen her since, but hopefully I will <laughs> one day. Uh, that's the, that's the kind of story that, uh, therapists sometimes deal with and helping somebody break through their shell of rationality and you were ready to break through because you were looking around and there it happened and i i hope not maybe now that maybe you'll get interested in a concept of uh human gps which i describe in my book or inner gps which a friend of mine calls it which might even be a better name that you in ways that we won't try to describe were able to get yourself where you needed to be without knowing how that happened mm -hmm. so there's a lot of arranging to to be able to take place for two people to cross like that mm -hmm. and it seems magical which it is but i'm suggesting that sub that the human gps allows us to pinpoint somebody uh, and then find a way to get to that person at the right time. And I, I think it is a calculable, calculable uh, idea. I think it's, uh, I think it, I think the brain uh, with the help of other sources can help make us make these calculations, but that that's for maybe you and I to discuss in another time. Yeah. Uh, but um, that's one of my favorite uh, ideas. And you just like illustrate that. that you asked for a sign. It was as if it happened. Somehow it happened to you. I'm saying you participated. Yeah, I mean, I like that idea. I, um, I, I, I've always um, been very observant of coincidences. I was very interested in them when I was in college. I used to write them down. And um, I do feel I uh, say, I think I'm intuitive. And like, sometimes I feel these like very strong hunches to like, like go to this place or email this person or call this person now. Um, and I've always listened to those, but, um, but now even more so, you know, of course, after all of this, now I, um, I really listen and, and try to pay attention. And I take coincidences to mean you're on the right track or, to pay attention to something. Um, and I may not always know what it means immediately, but you know, let's kind of like file it away for later. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's why I encourage people to write down their coincidences because sometimes you can't figure out what they mean to you at that particular time. Right. And that's what you've done. So we've, we've talked here about breaking through Mona's rational cell and need and need self and need to be part of something uh, so that she could not be as alone as she was and that's what we have just talked about the transition from reading coffee grounds and and chelsea handler uh what you were getting to 
doing to now who you are now and 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 take a look at this book because the nice one of the nice things about this is it summarizes the data on the weird stuff that people experience regularly like psi phenomenon for example and uh, we're not going to talk about how psi is spiritual in this because that's a kind of question that uh, gets me a little twisted around but this is such a useful guide for those who want to go from i'm not sure to like hey look there's a lot of data if you believe in data mona has collected it and written it in a very clear comprehensible way so that you can in a shortcut experience what she took uh, many years and a lot of pain to be able to do yeah that's right that's and that is um, the mindset I had when I was writing the book. It was because I, I, I found so many books with all with the evidence. Um, but I I think as we've been talking about, I felt, you know, as a person like um, going through this difficult transition, like uh, I wanted someone else's experience and you know, I'm sure those exist, but whatever, they didn't come across my path at that time. So but when I was when I was writing the book, I thought. I'm going to write this book to the old me and what would she need? She would need con all the data concise and a personal story um, to like, to validate that. Yes, it's hard possibly probably to, to overthrow a belief system um, and change your worldview, but that if you want to do it, here's some, <laughs> here's some evidence and that it's possible. And I mean, for me, at least I'm so much happier. Like it's really interesting thinking back to, um, again noticing all the like ways I feel like my body was telling me I wasn't very comfortable um with this person that I was projecting out to be because it's not really who I am and so uh yeah I mean so yes it was a very difficult transformation but in the end you know it's 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 a lot better on the other side yeah and here you are are helping other people make the same kinds of transition well let's let's skip a little bit uh further along uh, in your sure. book and what you're writing about to get to like uh consciousness <laughs> oh dear <laughs> consciousness well uh there's a lot of ambiguity about what we mean by consciousness <clears throat> and one of the basic definitions is i'm I'm breathing and I know it. Uh, it's kind of like a place to start. Uh, but we're going, we, go be, we go beyond that. Um, and you describe, uh, among other things, uh, changes in frequency, frequency, the harmonics of frequency with uh, certain uh, things like psychedelics and meditation. And uh, uh, this idea of energy patterns coming out uh, from the human brain and body would you talk about that? And I want to see where we might go with that. Yeah, sure. So that's something that I, um, you know, of course, initially I was very stuck on the, okay, if, if some people are intuitive and they can get information from, I don't know, somewhere else, um, you know, I was stuck on the mechanism of that. How is that happening in the brain or in the body? And um, so I, that's why I, I went to look at all the literature, um, but there, it was, you know, traditional neuroscience doesn't look at this kind of stuff. So you have to kind of piece it together. Um, but there was some recent research looking at, I, I, so I stumbled on the idea of, of altered states of consciousness, or like, there's all these different states, there's we're awake, there's the state when you're kind of falling asleep, there's being asleep, there's psychedelic state, meditative state, all these different states. And um, your brain has, a, you know, it, it switches frequencies depending on what state you're in. And so um, you're talking about alpha, beta, theta frequencies. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and I, um, I did more imaging work, so I'm not an EEG expert, but that's the extent of what I know. Um, yeah. So that is, so what did you mean by frequencies with, from the way you were doing research? Well, I, I was referring to that research, but do you mean the harmonics? There's this newer modality that just came out in the last few years that when I was doing imaging work, I wasn't available or people weren't using it. There's um, a research group looking at harmonics and the math is complicated, but they, <clears throat> they try to pull out um, the harmonic state of the brain 
which if you ask me what that is, I don't know, um, <laughs> as a metric. So instead of just blood flow, which is what we look at with imaging, um, we look at where the blood goes and then we assume that that part of the brain is active, like it's burning energy, so it needs blood. Um, so that's what we do in imaging. So with theirs, they're looking at it, um, not just the simple contrast, but they're looking at the harmonics. And they what, look at what it is with, harmonic? What does harmonics mean? That is a more. I don't have a good definition for it, but I think it's. Um, I think what they're trying to do is pull. You know what? I, I'm not going to try to. I so don't, don't, don't try yeah. to answer it because uh, in music, harmonics are perhaps different different chords that uh, go together. Uh, that that they are maybe uh, eight steps away from each other, uh, uh, and they they still can harmonize with each other because they're the same at a different level. Uh, that that's a simple right. Definition. A more harmonized state. That's a good way to put it. Yes. No. That I like the way you said. I just didn't want to say it wrong. Because well, because uh, yeah. I think that's because the harm uh, because the harmonics idea is is really important in a interpersonal sense, and that's what I'm trying to be able to get to, is that I think each of us has uh, has a an energy like fingerprint. It's like uh, it's what it's what we walk around in. Uh, ex uh, exuding energy in various harmonics, but off of a basic pattern. And these harmonics are related the way uh, chords on a going up on a piano might be the same, the same chord, but uh, further up or further down on the piano. So it's the, there's, there's a kind of signature of harm uh, of each of us uh, electromagnetically, I'm going to suggest, what do you think of that? Yeah, I love that. I think you're right. And um, I, that's excellent because they there have been, um, so not using this particular metric, not harmonics, but they have done studies with two people, um, you know, and recording the frequencies of their brain using EEG. And they do find the two people like working on a task together, their, their brains do tend to harmonize together, right? You see similar frequencies emerge. Um, so I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think I asked that, that question because I remember thinking, again, I was trying to figure out the mechanics of, of how, um, I was trying to think about the mechanics of past life regression and I was like, well, how would you, how would you pull, get those memories? And like, how, how would you get your memories and not someone else's memory? Um, and yeah, it's maybe because we all have a specific frequency or something, a harmonic, whatever. Well, that's, yeah. I, 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 I like watching you try to answer that question. How, how does that work? Because I do that too. I mean, I like to say, uh, how does that work? And the past life regression one, I got to go like that. Um, but I started to see how you were thinking about it. I'm, what I'm referring to here is also interpersonal harmonics, that if I have an energy signature and you have an energy signature, and sometimes if, as we're trying to be able to relate to each other, we try to find where our, our frequency, our energy signature can, can interact with uh, your energy signature. And right. I think those are measurable. Right. Yeah. But, and so this new metric that came out, they were looking at um, different uh, states of consciousness. So whether you're under anesthetics, um, if you're anesthetized, um, meditative on psychedelics, and they found that there's um, increasing uh, harmonics, I think for like going up to up, I think psychedelics was the highest, at least of what they've looked at. Um, and they're comparing different psychedelics to each other, but I haven't looked at that too deeply, but that was, um, that was interesting. I mean, they, we, we didn't have this when I was doing imaging. So it's like new work that's coming out. That's really fascinating. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, in your, in your book, you, you talk about, um, blue, uh, think in terms of blue, and uh, energy fields. And you talk about being maybe on a psychedelic or meditation. <clears throat> and we talk about lock and key. Could you describe that uh, a little more for us? Yeah, so I was trying, again, trying to find mechanisms for, <laughs> for all of this. And um, I found a paper that was published in a peer reviewed journal, uh, Frontiers of Psychology, I think. And it was this, um, also I should mention, so I spoke to the, there, 
the U.S. government used to have a research program into psychic um, phenomena, and it was run by three physicists. So I read their papers or books, and I spoke to them, and one of them had put forth a theory um, about the zero-point field, um, which, again, I'm not a physicist, so I don't <laughs> I don't know, but he it's, had a whole it, theory. Yeah, It's a, it's a thing, that zero-point field. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so he had a theory about how um, our consciousness can connect to that. But anyway, when I went to search for it um, in like normal journals, <laughs> but I found this very recent paper by a neuroscientist um, in Frontiers of Psychology that described this possible model using um, the cosmology of cosmopsychism. I, um, actually, I, I think he put that in the paper. If not, he definitely wrote about that in other papers. But his whole theory is he tries to make a mechanism for it. And he's like, okay, let's say we're... Um, and there's like a sea of consciousness and it's on some sort of plane. Um, he actually, for the paper, I think because it was a major journal, he places that field as an electromagnetic field. Um, in But there's other theories that say it could be something else, the quantum or whatever. So he uses electromagnetic field and he um, looks at the neuroscience literature to pull all the different you know, frequency states that the brain is in when it's remembering or um, the different states of consciousness. And he focused on the consciousness literature and memory literature and tries to pose this theory of like, okay, what if on this plane, what if um, the possible uh, varieties of consciousness, so all the different states that we can experience are held, you know, on that field. And what if our brain is like a um, recorder that can tap into the field and download? So just like the cloud uh, concept, which luckily is very popular and everyone knows what that is now. It's like the cloud. So it's like the experiences are up there, but we're able to tap into them by aligning with the field with different frequency states. So if I'm going into a meditative state, um, I put myself in a certain frequency and it, like you mentioned, uh, it's like the key to the lock, which is the, in the field and it opens and I'm able to download the experience. Um, and so he has this whole model for it um, in that way. Uh, that's so much what I describe uh, as, as the psychosphere, our mental atmosphere. Uh, right. It's, and you don't have to be in different states you have except for the state of like um imagining and wanting and you are you you hit a certain resonance and right. in you and you find that resonance in the psychosphere or in this field whatever it might be it's probably not electromagnetic just i think there's a lot of other stuff floating around in there and a lot of other ways that things communicate i agree but yeah. I, i'm i'm only I'm just a guy down here trying to say, I think there's something just all around us that's kind of influencing us and we can influence it and we're interacting with it. And it's just kind of a thing that's there and we can do it by changing the way our minds are organized for a moment. So we get organized around a, an idea or a feeling. It takes feeling here. By the way, it's not just ideas, neuroscientists. There's right. emotion that's involved here. I, be I believe that. He didn't have that in his model, but I, he's a, I agree. He's a yeah. guy, and, and he's, also, <laughs> he's also a scientist, and scientists don't pay much attention to emotion. And emotion is the driver of this, all this stuff. And, and I, I mean, I think you know this, but I want to be able to, and I'll ask you about it. But we got this thing, uh, uh, what is it called? Something called a heart, I think, that uh, <laughs> that generates more electromagnetic right. activity than this brain. thing does, but this distracts us. So we have to form this kind of um, connection between heart and, and mind or heart and brain, because yeah. this has got a mind of its own too sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the heart no, I agree. I agree. We definitely, neuroscience is a field doesn't we're doesn't. so focused on the brain yeah. so focus on mind I, I mean on rationality mm -hmm. i mean let's let's admit that you and i have done that a lot yeah definitely <laughs> oh my goodness yeah <laughs> and you're trying to be able to get your body yeah. into it which yeah. includes your heart uh and getting that interaction body heart mind these are ancient wisdom things that we're now yes. trying to be able to yeah. put together in some integrated way 
But the idea is to harm, get this whole thing working so that we can connect with similar vibrations in the psychosphere, this field you, this guy was describing, and that can help uh, Chelsea Handler show up at a restaurant for you, for example. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So how do we do it? Well, you know, I got I got the worst review on my uh, psych on my Amazon by someone who wants to know who I didn't tell how to do it well enough. Oh, no. I mean, this person was a seeker. I appreciated so much what she was trying to do, but she she wanted to know how do you recognize a coincidence? How do you recognize one that's meaningful because they're happening all the time? How do you pick out from all this which ones you should pay attention to? And I kind of knew that as a problem, but I didn't try to address that. And so that it's getting to the kind of very basic questions. How do you do it? It's how do you recognize that this is one you should pay attention to? And it's not just intuitive it's not a lot of us right. can 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 go by oh it's a low probability thing and it has something to do with what's happening with me now uh, and it's saying something to me about what's going but some people aren't able to to trick have a button that pushes their this is a coincidence to pay attention to thing yeah well that's yeah that's i mean yeah i try to listen to like i said i try to listen to my 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 physical reactions to to them and um because i mean you know some of them are much stronger than others and move you like and i feel like if something moves you emotionally like my chelsea handler one was like knocks me off yeah. Yeah. um something like that i feel like those um to, to, for me are the ones to pay more attention to <laughs> We're going to just leave the question because hers was so okay. fundamental. It's a kind of a good scientific question, actually, as she True, was asking. Yeah. I mean, who knows? And, and, and I, I, I don't think we're going to answer that right now. But one of the one of the questions that uh, you were uh, suggesting we discuss about is the relationship between coincidences and consciousness. I'd like to hear how you how you answer that. Um. <laughs> did i have a specific question i don't even remember this well um, you wrote it down and i said well that's a tough one <laughs> and we can <laughs> i regret writing it down. and we can <laughs> we can skip it uh and and we we can skip that one yeah and we can we've already talked about how you use coincidences as one of the other questions you suggested i might be able to do um but what do you want to talk about a little bit more about how to use them? Yeah. Um, I just, it's funny. Cause like, I don't really, this is one thing I don't rationalize. And I just kind of do it. I think cause I've been so um, cognizant of coincidences my whole life. Um, maybe if I was just starting, maybe I would be more confused about it, but I, I feel like, um, yeah, for me, it's really the the way it moves moves me or um, elicits a reaction. Um, but like you said, I do. Um, I used to write them down a lot, um, but now I have so many that I can't write. I would spend the whole day writing them down. Oh, this I remember when we were emailing. I mentioned this. I have so many coincidences between my dreams and reality. Um, and like, usually it'll be beforehand. I mean, obviously sometimes it's after, but. Um, I'll have a lot of dreams about little things. Sometimes they're insignificant. Sometimes they're big, you know, big, like a whole event that happens exactly as I saw it um, the night before it'll happen the next day. But sometimes they're little things so much so that I, I keep a dream journal and write them down and will those I'll make note of during that. Like, oh yeah, I dreamt of this. And like, those are, those are big emotional moments. Like sometimes and I'll just be like, it's like a whole, it's almost like everything's spinning for a second. I'm like, oh my gosh, why does this sound feel familiar? And then like the whole dream flashback will come and then I'll read my notes to remember if it was like last night or the night before, but that happens a lot to me. This is a, not a bad uh, way of explaining some deja vu experiences that you dreamed them the night before. I, I, that's, that's, um, I, I get confused by deja vu uh, because mm -hmm. sometimes 
Uh, it's something that you just saw out of the side of your eyes and didn't register it consciously. And then you right. see it, and then you sort of think you thought it before, That's but right. that you dreamt about it and didn't remember the dream, but it feels familiar is another, thank you for that. It's really a, another yeah. good clue to what deja vu might be. I'm really, yeah, I'm interested in, like, I don't know what deja vu is. And deja I haven't had... Deja yeah. vu is I see something now and it seems like I've been there before. Yeah. And I've been having, um, I haven't had deja vu for years. And then like lately I've been having a lot and I was like, I wonder if it's just because of, I've been trying to think about it too. Like maybe it's like, cause I'm having all these new experiences, but then why would they feel familiar? But yeah, maybe it's like, you know, like you've been anticipating the release of the book, thinking about things. And then I don't know, so, so, like things start feel, feeling like you've done this before. It's, it's strange. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the dreams, but I have a lot of that. And um, the more I open to this stuff or meditate or um, kind of lean into it, the more it happens, which I think you talk about in your book, too. I, I can talk about my book, but we can talk about it here, too. <laughs> the more you pay attention to it, yeah. the more you pay attention to it, the more you'll see. Mm -hmm. And it's still one of my favorite ideas that believing is seeing uh, it's if it, it, we filter by our beliefs about what we're able to see and uh, modern exactly. modern politics and modern even thoughts about science and medicine are all well i believe this so it has to be right it doesn't have anything to do with data and that's part of a way that uh, we got to do something about uh, but that's what you're doing and that's what i'm doing is trying to be a little bit more dignified about what we accept is what's true but it's a major problem right now well, yeah, for, for, for some reason, it looks like uh, uh, an hour has passed, Mona. <laughs> Already? <laughs> flew by. Yeah, I mean, yeah, flew by is, flew by. It flew by. Um, this was really fun trying to, to get into some stuff with you. Um, and I, I like to think there's something about um, having our books published on the same day by the same company uh, mm -hmm. that brings us together in a way that uh, two other authors uh, are not necessarily going to find, especially since we're both uh, scientists. I'm less of a scientist. I did clinical research, you know, yeah, count the patients and see what happened to them and see if you can put them together and find some data and become chairman of psychiatry. I mean, that's what I did. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was chest pain and panic disorder. It was like to get some numbers and like 40 papers later and I'm, I'm chair of psychiatry. So it like, uh, it had a, an outcome, but it's nothing. It, I start, tried to study some of the neuroscience when mm. you had to read it in a book and you couldn't see, you couldn't yeah. see videos. There was right. such a time, 1990s, it was, uh, it was even then. You had to look at brain pictures in two dimensions. It was hard to figure out what, what limbic system, how does that oh like, what is it? Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, so I, um, I love studying the brain and s seeing how, how much stuff comes out that's irrelevant to anything. Uh, and it's just about data, but the idea of circuits covers for me both mind and brain and and there's a lot of other stuff but the frequency things you were talking about in the beginnings of harmonics is real are really important things to be able to yeah and i'm really interested in uh you know i spent like the majority of my life and career interested in the mechanics and the mechanisms of the brain and the circuits and all that and i still love oh i just you know i love neuroscience too like i'm just like i love neuroanatomy <laughs> like i'm such a nerd but as I've gone through this journey, I've just, um, and I write about in the book, like I, I, they don't teach us anything about the mind, about psychology, about like personal healing. And I, I, I realized that when people, when I got my PhD and people would at, be like, oh, you're a neuroscientist. Let me ask you a question. And I never got a question about neuroscience. <laughs> I would get questions about neurology, psychiatry, psychology, anything but neuroscience. And um, that's when I started to realize, I was like, this is, you know, I mean, I love neuroscience, but um, in, in sort of when you think about practicality, like for living as a human, I, I feel like psychology is like, it's important that we tie these, these fields together because um, 
you know, it's, again, it's just not really comforting to someone, I, I think, and not useful to tell them your amygdala is over firing. Um, like you need something else with that, you know, like, how are they going to fix that? You, you need the lab, the things you do in the lab, I mean, not the lab, the, um, uh, the therapy room, right? I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but um, yeah, you need, you need that. And so uh, I'm really interested in in your work. Well, thanks for bringing up the amygdala because I used to be an amygdala, amygdalocentric psychiatrist oh, how funny. because it was firing both anxiety and depression uh, and in psychotherapy and um, with medications, you were often able to calm the amygdala down and you could do it with psychotherapy by activating the medial orbital frontal cortex, which uh, had power to be able to reduce the amygdala. So I could develop a, a little bit of a model that I could understand I to be that. able to under see what was going, what we might be trying to do therapeutically. But that's, that, that's something that I, I know appeals to you. That's what you want to be able to do. Yeah, and, uh, I think it's interesting. And would you, let's end with one final small question, Mona. <clears throat> what is the relationship between the mind and the brain? Uh, <laughs> well, <so hard. laughs> um, I mean, the truth is, it's, I'm actually reading, um, <clears throat> have you read Irreducible Mind? Yeah. That like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. It's um, a huge like, thing. I oh mean, God, I'm... it's so big. Yeah. I've been reading it for months. <laughs> it's like sitting there. But I've been yeah. So I've been reading that like in, in yeah. <clears throat> my I I could not read that whole. They got three books, and I did the last one. Oh, um, you, okay. And I, I presented the. Uh, I try to present the chapters of the last one. I forget what the name of that one was but it, it was a little more accessible at consciousness the unbound consciousness unbound yeah so you've 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 looked through them yes yeah well slowly making Sorry. my way yeah through them they, <laughs> um, laboriously they mm -hmm. pull a lot of stuff together mm -hmm. and there's a lot of good data uh, ed kelly has been a driver for trying to make uh, to, this is the data but it's so hard to get to for so many people that it doesn't doesn't make yeah, the impact it's, it's dense. so it's dense nice way. for us person like you to translate yeah. that yeah that's a good idea i should do that <laughs> it's like <laughs> taking me forever to read it though there but are there are chapters worth skipping i'm starting to um to skim <laughs> there's a little yeah too i i but you're right it's a lot of good um information so they did the job of that and now it's just going through and trying to like take the academic words and and concepts and like make it easier to understand um but I, yeah i would love to do that because i think that uh, the reason i brought it up is because it's related to that they look at that like what is the relationship between mind and brain and i mean the truth is we don't know and you you, you can go to any different field like if you go to their books they you know, posit some possible ways. If you go to classic conventional neuroscience, they'll be like, the brain is the mind, period. So the truth is we don't, you know, we don't know. But if you're asking, I think, I don't think the brain is the mind. Or I think that there's a lot, I think it definitely is involved in it. I think they're highly correlated. Um, of course, obviously, you know, from all the data. Um, I just think there are other classes of data that suggest that we don't have the whole model. Um, and we, we just, we don't have the whole answer yet. And like you, I think probably, I think for sure we're more intimately connected with our environments um, than we can see and then we can feel. But I love that. And I, I wish that we would um, use these classes of evidence or stories from psychotherapy or coincidences or whatever to kind of lean into that because it has a lot of really great implications for us, right? We're all more connected to each other and to our environments than we than we believe. But yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Uh, in the chapter on the psychosphere, I indirectly re respond to, to the Ed Kelly's uh, and his book's idea, because their idea is the brain gets into a certain state and default mode network is a place to start thinking about that. And then it becomes more accessible to consciousness what they don't talk about the individual mind itself 
And if you find them talking about the mind of the that's associated with this brain, and I'm describing, I'm making it like this because it's it's cloud goes in, it can expand out, and I'm saying we do have an individual mind that yeah. is connected to our brains in some way that that through which we connect with the psychosphere uh, and make the connections we want to be able to do. But there is an intimate connection between our brains and our personal minds, right. not just going into higher consciousness. What do you think yeah. of that? Oh, no, I agree with that. I think I, I think I, that's how I came to think of it in the book too. Um, I was thinking, cause it's not, yeah, it's not nothing. And then one, like there's, there's definitely something that's, that's uniquely you and that you're working with on an everyday basis. So good, 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 good. Again, we come to a little concordance. I don't hear that. Uh, from neuroscientists that I don't talk to very much, but this is, uh, we got our own minds too, ladies and gentlemen, as well as being able to connect to a greater mind and each other. So yeah. Mona, uh, thanks for getting up early, if it's early for you uh, in, yeah. in Los Angeles and uh, talking with me and uh, and being my uh, being my twin on this uh, on this journey with uh, trying yeah. to. I thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. And it's, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll see. We'll see where, what this coincidence means. We'll see our book coming out on the same day. We'll, we'll, we'll track it. We'll track it. This psychosphere is our mental atmosphere. Like a Cosmic consciousness